0: Friends, as we turn to the scripture now, you're going to hear two sets of scriptures, both of which are equations, if you will, particularly the scripture out of Philippians. You're going to hear if and then, if and then these two cannot be separated, these if and then statements. So hear these words. This was what I was going to present yesterday as the grounding scripture for us as leaders in the church.
1: If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Holy wisdom, holy word.
0: Thanks be to God. As you are able, will you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Again, very, very familiar words. We hear these words often. These are the Beatitudes. But these are also equations. If the first part, then the second statement after statement, after statement. Hear the equation, the cause and effect in these.
1: When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute, persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot.
0: I'm a weather nut. Dorothy comes to me pretty much every day, particularly every evening, and asks me what the weather's going to be like the next day. Problem is, I always know. Because I just, the power of the weather is so amazing. And here we are now on the heels of these two systems one coming from the south, and Remember watching the weather maps, and if anybody saw the weather map of this system coming north, this huge expanse of green, which is rain, and even pockets of yellow and one pocket of red, meaning heavy, heavy rain, coming in kind of through Oregon, kind of entering into southern Oregon and then moving up to the north. And then the other system coming from the north, freezing, cold weather coming out of the Gulf of Alaska. And these two systems began to shake hands right over Portland. And what was interesting is watching that green turn to pink and even blue as it moved north, and then suddenly it stalled right here. And what was also interesting is leaving from here last Sunday as it was, remember it was snowing lightly, I mean somewhat lightly, And moving up the hill, and my understanding is the Parsonage is at just about 1,100 feet. And as we progressed up the hill, it became whiter and whiter and whiter until finally we hit 49th Street up there and the snow had covered the street. And then just watching it pile up. But then came Thursday night. And if you remember what happened on Thursday night or early Friday morning, is the cold system found its way underneath the warm system. And so instead of snow, what was falling above was rain. But then as it came through that freezing area, each raindrop froze until it hit the ground. And I don't know about you, but up at the house, we ended up with about a half an inch of solid ice these two systems coming together and the flow or lack thereof is what created what we still see outside and now another is moving through i'll get back to that in just a second but i want to do a little bible study this morning and look at that particularly at that first that philippians scripture and notice the equation of that scripture And coming out of the research field, correlates are very important to me. That if this, then this. And Paul begins to do this little dance in the midst of this Philippian scripture. And he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. In other words, has something happened within you? Has something taken place in the midst of your soul? That has created something else within you, something positive, something encouraging, something even life changing. If you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from God's love, if any fellowship or connection with the Holy Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, it's a conditional evaluative list in other words you have to have the first in order to have the second it's interesting yesterday had we gathered we were going to look extensively at this statement of vision and break it down in five different ways break it down as a potential mission statement Break it down as a potential statement of vision. Even break it down as a potential statement of process, of how people come into the church and how they are healing, healed and transformed, and how what we're looking at is the creation of, out of these other first two experiences, the creation of not just disciples, not just followers, but passionate, passionate disciples. Of Jesus Christ. With that in mind, it is the same process that Paul is talking about here. And it's the end of that process that makes his joy then complete. But here's my question. Now, having been here seven months, you heard me challenge you two weeks ago about whether or not we really are a place that gathers and welcomes openly all people. And what is it that provides that? Is it one person's job to do that? Is it people who wear red ribbons' job to do that? Or might it be something that we need to create a culture around? That every single person that walks in here, whether this is their first Sunday or they've been here for 50 years, that there is a culture of welcoming, That we don't just check in with our own friends, but we look around us to see. And what did Nicholas say in the children's moments this morning? To notice if there might be someone who is in need. And that brings us to the second piece. How is it that we see ourselves as healing? How is it transformational? What happens in this church? Because until those two pieces are solidly in place and we have an understanding of how people move through those pieces, this third one becomes challenging at best. What is it that creates passionate disciples? What is it that we're doing in this church right now that helps people deepen in their own faith? What is it? And is there enough of it? And is there a culture even here Of the creation of passionate disciples. Flow. And I don't mean (laughs) monkmen. Flow. There is to be a very natural flow that happens in a life of faith. Paul had identified those first pieces of encouragement and compassion and tenderness. But then he goes on and he talks about each of you should look not only at your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Look at the equation there. We are, he's not saying don't look within, don't look at yourself, just look at others. That's not what he's saying there. Don't just look at yourself. But you know what? Where we begin is by self-examination. And my question to you, same as what I asked for service this morning, when was the last time? that you did a spiritual evaluation of your own life? When was the last time that you stopped for just a moment and said, am I doing what I need to do to deepen my own faith? Am I engaging with the Holy Spirit? Do I really believe in a power beyond myself? And am I turning to that power for redefinition or even evaluation? So friends, when was the last time that you did that? When was the last time that you carved out five or 10 or 15 minutes every day to do what we just did in worship? To stop for a moment and not just give God our laundry list of needs, but to sit and just dwell In that power. Those of us in mainline denominations, this also always seems to make us a little uncomfortable. But you know what? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Because it's only in those times where we're truly able to hear that still small voice of God who then helps us define the other and fourth piece of the vision statement, and that's being sent forth flow. There's an old metaphor uh, that I heard first in high school in Young Life. And I remember Chuck Ferguson standing in front of the Young Life group and talking about the fact that this is what we need to be as people of faith. Then he talked about the Dead Sea. And, And I've shared this with you, I think, once before. There's a reason that the Dead Sea is dead. It has a very healthy flow of water into it from the Jordan River. The river is healthy, a little dirty, in these days, but it is healthy. It has life in it. As soon as it hits the Dead Sea, it begins to die. Why is that? It has a whole lot more to do with the fact that, 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 that it's salty. It is salty, but you know what? The ocean is also salty. It has filled with life. The reason the Dead Sea is dead is because it has no outlet. It has no flow through the midst of it. The water doesn't move. Once it comes in, it stops, is filled with that salinity and immediately begins to die. The reason I raise that is here's here's the problem. When we don't have a flow of spirituality that begins in the right places and moves to the right places, that we either, if we don't have that inflow that prayer life, that scripture, that study, that group with whom we can share who we are and and be challenged in our faith. If we don't have those things, then our roots go shallow in faith. And in as much as we as a church clearly understand the need to go out beyond these doors and to share, we have, last time I counted, 14 different groups with whom we go out and do service work. 14 different groups Some in a huge way, some in a minor way. But the danger is if we don't have that solid foundation of faith, we quickly become, or at least have the risk of becoming burned out. I don't want us to get burned out. And so my challenge to you as we look at passionate discipleship is that it means that we are engaged with something greater than ourselves. That we are engaged not only with that power, but that we are engaged with each other that we have a relationship with each other that is a relationship of trust, which means that we can risk with each other, which means we can raise those issues with each other that say, you know what, I'm struggling with this piece of faith. Let's work on this together. But what that means is we have to admit that we're struggling. And it's hard for us to do that. But what creates passionate discipleship, passionate disciples is the ability, the willingness, and the desire to share at that kind of level. The Beatitudes help us with that as well. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the Beatitudes. That's a sermon for another day. But please understand, if you look carefully at those statements, those nine statements that tell us what our attitudes need to be, That it is a cause and effect in each of those statements. Blessed are the poor in spirit because they recognize their need for God. Blessed are because if you understand that, then this will be the outgrowth. So if you need a place to begin your own spiritual understanding, go there. And look it up and spend some time in there. Or go back to this Philippian scripture and go back and spend some time in there. I want to just close by telling you of two men with whom I got very close in Santa Monica. Both of them were at the absolute highest level. One in the movie industry. He was the technical senior technical advisor for the three Star Wars, the first Star Wars trilogy senior technical director for that series. The other is one of the most incredibly respected persons in the technical field of television. He and his family are coming up um, for a visit this week. What's interesting about these two, both Michael and Steve, was their approach at the beginning levels of faith was very similar. They wanted to tear it apart. They wanted to create it somewhat like it is to create technical stuff in a film or in a television show and take each piece and make sure that it was perfectly sequential and, and just fit perfectly together. But what happened with Michael is suddenly something happened with him. To go back to Wesley's statement, his heart was strangely warmed and something went much, much deeper for him. And he moved beyond just the kind of intellectualization of faith and began to allow it to penetrate deeper into his self, into his soul. And he began to pray and experiment and test God in prayer. He began to look at scripture to see how not just it was historically, but how it might help define who he was and who he is. He began to come to church not just because he wanted to hear the entertaining pastor, I'll talk to you all later. (laughs) But to be challenged in his faith, to go deeper. Steve was never able to do that. He would not allow it to go any deeper than the surface, to that intellectual place. And the danger of being in so many mainline churches is that we don't allow it. We come because it just helps us stay on the surface. Friends, if that's the case for you, you got the wrong pastor. I will not keep it on the surface. It must penetrate from that intellectual view and be allowed to move deeper into our souls and define not only who we are as individuals, but who we are and what we do as a church. We gather all people Everyone is welcome here. And part of our mission and our vision and our process is to provide opportunities for healing that then can create transformation. And we are called, called, each of us, to passionate discipleship, focused and energetic, real, meaty, wonderful, engaging, encouraging discipleship, being followers of Jesus that define clearly who we are as a church. i close with this. I remember watching. We lost two trees and a whole lot of branches last week. We heard them coming down, some of them in the middle of the night. Two pine trees, and I walked up through the snow and looked at the root ball of this one pine tree and it was about this big. But the weight of that snow and the weight of the ice finally toppled that tree because the roots were shallow. The branches that came down off of the two twin oak trees at the parsonage were branches that were brittle and some of them almost dead. And I kept thinking about this sermon and us. It's when our roots go deep And when we help each other deepen those roots and make that solid foundation. When those of us who are a little brittle right now in our faith get encouraged and strengthened by others around us, we can weather those storms no matter what they are or where they come from or how they come at us. The purpose of the church is to give that kind of spirit, that kind of support, that kind of foundation, that kind of energy. If, if, we do that, if we provide that, if we believe that, then we get stronger and deeper as a church. If, then. Will you pray with me? God of all creation, I ask that you help us go deeper. I ask that you help us look within ourselves each individually this week, that we decide even this morning to take some moments, 5, 10, 15 minutes every day to open ourselves up to you, to dwell and receive the love that you have for us. Help us not forget then, in the midst of that, to pray for each other. To look at the GPS and the list that many of us receive of the prayer needs in the church. And pray specifically for those, believing that there is a power there. But let us not stop there. But to look beyond ourselves and beyond the doors to those who are in need. Help us gather and be open to all people. Help us to see the healing and transformation that can take place in every one of our lives and to share that with others. And help us not be simply satisfied with just being a surface follower, but fill us, fill us with passion for this faith all this we ask in the powerful name of the one we seek to follow Jesus Christ amen